Good morning, Mars Hill. If you can make your way to your seats, we will begin reading. The reading is going to be from Psalm 22 on page 509 in the Shed Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. Giving all the extroverts a minute, staring you down. Make your way to your seat. All right. Here we go. Psalm 22, verses 1 to 5. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Mars Hill. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Kyle. I serve as the pastor to our high school students and families. And our text reader for this morning was Nikki. She serves as pastor to our middle school students. And if you haven't met Nikki, you should meet her. Uh, she is a great pastor, not only to our students and families, but to our entire community. So get to know Nikki. And in Marshall students, it's been a busy summer. Uh, last time I was up here was about a month or so ago, just hours away from headed uh, north with our high school students to Pictured Rocks, and since that time, we've had a summer full of events. So our high school students have been to Pictured Rocks, we've taken our middle school students down to Lake Arvesta Farms, been out to Michigan Adventure, they've colored the parking lot with dye and colored powder, it might still be out there, we don't know, uh, and we've taken a handful of high school students and young adults out to Wyoming into the wilderness and the Rocky Mountains. And all of these transformational and formational experiences uh, are in some way made possible by all of you. Uh, through your faithful prayer and your giving, you give our students an opportunity to go and to encounter God in new ways and to build community with each other. And so thank you, Mars Hill community, for what you have given to our students. And before we jump into, yeah, I think we could celebrate that. Uh, before we jump into our psalm for this morning, uh, let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe, for you sanctify us and you instruct us to steep ourselves in your word. And so as we sit in this psalm this morning, may it permeate our hearts and our souls and our bodies and our minds, that it may give us a new imagination and love for you and this world which you have created. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are perhaps some of the most familiar words in the entire Psalter. But in like some of the other Psalms that we've engaged with this year and this summer, uh, with this Psalm, there are no chart-topping hits. There are no earworms that get stuck in your head and that you sing throughout your day. No, this Psalm is too raw. It's too human. There's too much pain and suffering in it. It's too melancholy, like February in West Michigan. It has too much in it for us. And yet, I think this psalm offers us something rich. I think it bestows upon us, gifts to us, a kind of confidence that we don't find in the other psalms. And it's that confidence that I want us to explore this morning. This is the Lake Family Pizza Stone. Gifted to my wife and I 11 years ago as a wedding gift, uh, it is a sign and signal that it is Friday a lot of times in our household. It's a stone that carries with it stories and memories and history Stories of our first tiny apartment out in Heritage Hill. Stories of feasting with friends and family lingering over pizza. Stories of being bone-tired at the end of the week, longing for the weekend to come. Stories of me teaching my kids how to roll out the pizza dough and us creating an incalculable mess in the kitchen. A stories of us being together. It's a pizza stone that is well seasoned. And much like this pizza stone, our psalmist carries with them a set of stories and history and events and memories, a life that is seasoned. And it's these memories and these stories that the psalmist draws on. Here in verse 3, the psalmist points towards the community, these stories. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. It's these stories to which the psalmist appeals to and holds on to. In light of these stories, the psalmist is able to cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the psalmist looks back and they remember these stories. 
that God, you promised to never leave us nor forsake us. God, you intervened in the life of our people before. Why do I feel like I'm abandoned? Why do I feel like I'm forgotten? Why do I feel like I'm overlooked? Why do I feel like a project half completed or a garden left unattended that is running rampant with weeds? My God, why have you forsaken me? But the psalmist communicates a kind of seasoned faith in appealing to these stories and these memories. They have this sort of belief, this confidence that allows them to cry out that because God has heard the people before, perhaps God will hear them now. And so I think the first level of confidence that this psalm offers us is a confidence in the testimony of the faith community. God, you've you've worked in our community before. God, you've worked in this city before. God, show up once again. And when the psalmist has an experience that seems to disrupt their understanding of who God is, they look outside of themselves into the stories and the history of the faith community to hold them and sustain them. They would have confidence that God is concerned. And yet, as the psalm goes... The psalmist details out their account of the pain and the suffering, the depth of what is happening in their life. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. The psalmist perhaps wondering why, why if God has promised to never leave nor forsake us, if God has acted decisively in the history of the world, why is God overlooking me in this particular moment? Perhaps wonders, well, maybe because God doesn't care about me. And I'm just a worm. And I wonder how many of us have thought something similar in our place of forsakenness, in our place where we have entered into the dark night of life, have wondered, perhaps God doesn't hear me. Perhaps God isn't concerned with my life because God's only concerned with the prayers of certain kind of people. Or maybe God isn't answering me because I haven't been praying enough. Or because God is not answering me because I don't have enough faith. Or God isn't answering me because I don't say the right things. And yet, what we find in this grand story is that God 
enters into human existence. When God enters in as Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus the Messiah, and is in a place of complete suffering and chaos. The words that God draws on, that Jesus draws on in this moment are these words here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so when we speak these words, when you speak these words, you do not speak them alone. Christ speaks them with you. Christ speaks them with you as one who was betrayed. Christ speaks them with you as one who was dismissed. Christ speaks them with you as one who was judged. Christ speaks them with you as one who was mistreated. Christ speaks them with you as one who was abandoned by his closest friends. When you speak these words, you do not speak them alone. Christ speaks them with you. And I think that is another place of great confidence for us. Confidence that Jesus speaks these words with us. When have you spoken these words? When have you found yourself, as Pastor Denise Kingdom Greer says, in the room called forsaken? Realizing as you've entered into that room and looked around that Jesus is there with you. When have you cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was a cold January Saturday evening about nine years ago when I received a phone call late in the night from my sister-in-law that my father-in-law, who had suddenly become ill just a couple of days prior, had passed away. And in that moment, welling up inside of me was this lament. This lament of my God, my God. For my wife who has now lost her father. For a sister-in-law who's lost her father. For me who would never be able to develop a deeper relationship with this person in my wife's life. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Perhaps for you it was a relationship that went sour. Or a business deal that you had been working on for months and months and months that went sideways. Maybe it was the entering into the halls of your school this week once again, thinking things would be different, hoping things would be different, and you found the status quo remained. When have you spoken these words? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
Over the last couple of weeks, as I've been sitting with this psalm, I've been wondering out of all of the words that Jesus could have spoken, out of all of the pictures and images in Scripture that he could have drawn from, why did he speak these particular words? Why does Jesus choose this psalm, these words here? And why do the gospel writers draw on this psalm more than any other when talking about Jesus? Well, there's this ancient tradition that a teacher would only speak the first words of a story or a song or a psalm in this case that was well known as a way of referring to the whole. That because it's so well known, they don't even need to carry the story to completion because everyone else knows how it plays out. For instance, if I was to say, in a galaxy far, far away, many of you would know how the story goes. If I were to say, there was a father who had two sons, you would know the rest of the story. If I were to begin singing, twinkle, twinkle, little star, you would be able to sing the whole thing along with me. Well-known stories. And here in this moment, Jesus is speaking these first words, knowing that everyone listening is going to carry it to completion that everyone is going to get to this part in the psalm. Verse 27. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. He has done it. It is finished. Jesus is using this psalm to teach his disciples, to teach his followers about who he is, even in the final moments of his life, taking up this psalm into his life, into this culminating moment, this decisive and definitive moment in the history of the world. Jesus is demonstrating how the scriptures bear witness and testify about him about something that he is doing, that he has done it. And therefore, we can have confidence. Confidence that God in Jesus Christ, by the power of the Spirit, has done something about it.
has done something about it, about the feeling of your forsakenness, about that moment when everything seems to come crashing down, that moment when it seems like all hope is lost, that Christ has done something about it, that he is indeed victorious over sin and death, and he is victorious over hopelessness. That in the midst of crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We yet hope. The great uh, missiologist Leslie Newbegin was once asked if he was an optimist or a pessimist. And he said this. He said, I am neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Our confidence is not in either our optimism nor our pessimism. Our confidence, as we see here in Psalm 22, is that he has done it. It was late November, 1873, when a lawyer from Chicago named Horatio Spafford set sail across the Atlantic Ocean. And midway across his journey, the captain of the ship calls him up onto the deck and points out to where a ship just weeks before was passing by and had sank. And on this ship was Horatio's wife and four daughters, of which only his wife survived. And in this moment, this moment of crossing over the water of forsakenness, Horatio goes down and puts pen to paper and writes these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. That is the place where Horatio Spafford wrote the great hymn, It is well. What Horatio is drawing on, I think, in that moment is a seasoned faith, confident in the testimony of the faith community, that God has indeed acted in the history of the world, drawing on a confidence that he is not alone in that moment of utter loss drawing on a confidence that 
because Christ is risen from the dead, that even in death we are not alone, but that Christ is there. It is well, it is well with my soul. And it was that song that nine years ago, on that cold January Sunday morning, just hours after receiving that phone call from my sister-in-law, that I sat over here and we as a community sang that song, It Is Well With My Soul. And I could take great comfort that even in the midst of death, that it was well. And each week, we proclaim that truth together as we come to this table here. That even as we wander through our weeks, perhaps for feeling forsaken more often than not, we can come to this table here and proclaim it is well. Because this table here speaks he has done it. That Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And so to this table, let us come. And so I say, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And so we pray. Holy and right it is, and our joyful duty to give you thanks and praise at all times and indeed in all places. O Lord, our God, almighty and everlasting creator, for you created the earth in all of its splendor with beauty and harmony. And you demonstrated the fullness of your love in sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to be God with us, to reconcile us, and to be the one in whom it is indeed done. And so we join angels and archangels in the great cloud of witnesses in blessing and proclaiming your glorious name. Holy, 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 Lord of power and might. Heaven and earth declare your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so send your Holy Spirit, we pray, that the bread that we break and the cup that we bless would be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. And that just as Grains from many fields have been gathered into one loaf and grapes from many vines into one cup. May you too gather your people, your church, into your kingdom. May we be one as you are one. Come, Lord Jesus.
And so we rehearse the story that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after they had filled themselves, he took the cup. And he says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And so whenever we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And so we speak that story with people all around the world today, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And so we invite you, come. Come, all you who are hungry. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come, all you who feel forsaken. Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you'd like to pray, Brian's in the back and would love to pray with you, or you can write a prayer and put it in one of our prayer walls, and our staff will be praying for you this week. You can also light one of the candles. And we invite you to come to the table. Elements are allergen-free. And whoever you are and however you are, as you come into this space today, Jesus longs to meet you. And so come. All things 